Hello and welcome to Big Dumb Movie, where we discuss movies of the big dumb variety. I'm your host Corey, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Steve. Wow, I'm a co-host. <laughs> yes. All right. Alan. Hello. I did you guys in the opposite order. Yeah, I wasn't expecting to come yeah, first. Yeah, I noticed that. It's nice <laughs> to be treated treated nicely around here for once. <laughs> Last and least, Steve is how I usually do it, right? Right, absolutely. Yeah. I don't have to be the bottom of the barrel anymore, Alan. <laughs> uh, first the worst, second the hero, or what is it? What's that dumb saying? Isn't it second? Second the best. No, oh, yeah. second place is the first loser. It's no, the only one zero I'm the I hero, know. first the worst, second the if best. If you're not first, you're last. That's the only one I know. Third the nerd. <laughs> I wanted to ask you guys a question. Yes. What is your favorite and least favorite Ben Affleck movies? Now, the reason I bring this up, obviously, is because this episode is on the 2000 classic, Reindeer Games. And uh, Ben Affleck, I mean, there's a lot to say about the man. Steve, why don't you take it over? I mean, in all... Sincerity. I'm not even trying to be funny. You skim his resume, a lot more of it's bad than good. Like, he's been in a lot of really mediocre movies. Um, but uh, least favorite, least favorite, I'm going to defer, even though there's a lot of bad ones, to Paycheck. Because not only is it a bad movie, but it was adapted from a short story by Philip K. Dick, who I'm a really huge fan of, and I'm offended anytime adaptations of his stuff are screwed up on film, which is actually way more often than not. Most of the stuff based on... I've heard you talk about him before. What other stuff has he written that's been adapted? So he wrote the book that Blade Runner was technically adapted from, although Blade Runner is a lot different than the book. He also Uh, wrote... The Electric Dream of Sheep Yeah, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep. He also wrote a short story called We Can Remember It For You Wholesale, which was loosely the basis for Total Recall. Um uh and you're mad about these adaptations so far that's well, two out of two man. those two are, those two are very good and they're good enough that i excuse the fact that they're so vastly different from the source material but like paycheck um screamers i don't know if you remember that one uh it was in that adaptation one of his pieces really badly done the re the redo of total recall with colin farrell was oh. not yeah not really working for me Damon was in what's the name of that one? Damon was in a film too. It was adapted for like there's a lot of stuff. One of the other good examples, at least mostly good, is a, a show that's on Amazon uh, for the last few years called The Man in the High Castle, which is based on a story that Philip K. Dick wrote. Um, brilliant writer, but a lot of the stuff that's been adapted from his work's mediocre. Any case, a favorite Affleck movie? Well, let me come back to you on that. Okay. Alan, what's your least favorite Affleck movie? The one we just saw. <laughs> reindeer game. Reindeer I don't game. see most of the others then because he's done ones yeah, that are way worse. I know there's that. some bad ones. He was in like what? Geely. Phantoms. But Affleck was the bomb in Phantoms. Word, bitch. Phantoms like a motherfucker. What's up? Phantoms. Phantoms. Oh, da- okay. Daredevil. That was pretty bad. Yeah, terrible. Me. So, tie between Daredevil and Reindeer Games. Okay. So, you have seen Daredevil. Yeah. Okay. That, was, that was pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Steve. Favorite. I, I don't know how I'd pick between the Kevin Smith movies that he's been in. Those are very high up there. He technically briefly appeared in the original, original Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which was a movie, which is not at all like the show. It was actually very good. But, um, uh, I mean, as a film, probably, probably the town. I mean, as a movie, that's a, it's a really, really good movie. Kevin Smith's stuff's a lot of fun, but they're not really that great as films. Like, uh, I'm very disappointed in you, Steve, huh. because <laughs> the only answer, the only correct answer to this is Armageddon, <laughs> and Damn. that's my that's my choice. <laughs> Favorite Armageddon. is Armageddon. Yep. 
I, I well, I respect Not even your right ben to Affleck make that decision. Has anything positive to say no, about ben, him again? Ben Affleck's only stories I've heard about that movie involved him and Michael Bay having fights with each other. Apparently, at one point, Michael Bay legitimately looked at him and said, "Shut the fuck up, Ben." Like, because he was complaining so much. Well, I think he told him to shut the fuck up when he said, when he asked him why it would be easier. Easier to train oil rig guys to be astronauts than astronauts to work. Yeah. Yeah. That's like a really famous bit from the (laughs) DVD commentary. Yeah, exactly. He talks about it. You know, like, even Ben Affleck didn't want to be involved with that movie. I asked Michael why it was easier to train oil drillers to become astronauts than it was to train astronauts to become oil drillers and he told me to shut 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 the fuck up so that that was the end of that talk he was like you know ben just shut up okay you know this is real plan all right i was like you mean it's a real plan at nasa to train oil drillers he was like just shut your mouth (laughs) well i actually didn't do mine but my least favorite movie featuring ben affleck and this isn't performance based i just hate this movie pearl harbor it's a terrible movie. Oh, I forgot he was in that. It's a terrible movie. I fucking hate that movie. Wait, that, was he in that? Oh, yeah. yeah. I thought that was Josh Hartnett. I believe he was no, in No, they're both that. in that oh, movie. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, they're two parts of the love triangle. That was a stupid movie. It really was. I remember seeing the, the original trailers for that and thinking, boy, that might actually be a really cool movie, but no. Yeah, no. I know. It was trying to be like Saving Private Ryan, I yeah. think. Saving Private Ryan came out first, right? I believe so. I'm pretty sure it was like yeah. kind of... Off of the success of that. But um, the my favorite movie with Ben Affleck is actually a Kevin Smith movie. It's a movie that's very near and dear to my heart. It's called uh, Chasing Amy. It's a great movie. Yeah. It's another friend of mine. That's like one of his absolute favorite films of all time. It's really good. But he swears to God that the that he had like exactly the same experience as that main character. And I've always doubted that the story he tells is really true. But... Yeah. He's like, back in the 80s, I was a famous comic book writer. <laughs> right. Well, let me tell you about how I went up to space once to save the Earth. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah, Armageddon was based on Alan's real life, if you didn't know. It was. <laughs> and, and Bruce Willis died. That's how Bruce Willis died. I don't know if you knew that. <laughs> no, unfortunately, Bruce is still with us. Uh, I mean, you know, I think the unfortunate part is that he's still taking money to do Die Hard movies. Like... When was the last time Bruce Willis gave a shit about a performance he turned in? Oh my god. I have not seen him care on screen since like the fifth element. Yeah, that's probably <laughs> it. I mean, like I'm I'm sure there's something decent he's been in since then, but boy, I can't think of what it is. Like I can't I'm drawing a blank. And the thing is, like, <laughs> he could be in a good movie, but he just doesn't like care. You could tell. You know, he just doesn't care anymore. Yeah, where I think he's almost at the opposite end of the spectrum of John Travolta in that respect. I think Travolta's desperate to be in something good, and he just he can't make it happen because he's only ever been in good movies by accident. Well, wasn't John Travolta <laughs> just in that Fred Durst joint? What's that called? Yeah, uh, the fanatic. Fanatic. There you go. I keep yeah. wanting to call it the fan. He plays like an autistic, like adult child with a weird haircut. He does have a weird haircut. I have seen the uh, I have seen a review of it, and it just looks so funny. He and his agent read the script and got told who's directing, and they still decided it'd be a good idea to participate. That is like, interesting, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. You kind of wonder how that happens. Like there, there have been times where they were like seriously on paper. It seemed like it had come out better, and I can believe it, but not in this case. I, I don't have anything bad to say about the man himself. I worked for a company before, and they did John Travolta's IT and. I never got to meet him, but apparently he's like a really like nice and solid dude. So yeah, I do want to say that. I believe that. I heard the opposite about Bruce Willis, though. 
I believe that too. Apparently, yeah. <laughs> like the I remember hearing at one point, even though Samuel L. Jackson's way more famous for wearing them, that uh, John, uh, Bruce Willis has a like a like a group of people that hang out with you. I've lost the word entourage. Entourage. Thank you. Like an entourage of people that all wear like matching Kangol hats. And that, like, like he makes them behave in a certain way. I don't know What's if that's true. What's a kangle? Is that, is that like a hat with the little yeah. strings and the corks? <laughs> no, it's, it's like the it, – it's got a kangaroo on it. It's like a partial cap. Sam Jackson's been photographed wearing them like a hundred million times. Oh, it's is like, that like, like a, the, so like almost like a beret? Yeah, it almost looks like a big oh. beret or, or like, okay. like a skull cap. It yeah. doesn't – yeah. Well, that's cool, I guess. He's got a, he's got a crew. Like. <laughs> right, yeah. That's what, I mean, I heard that through the grapevine. It may not have been completely true, but I, I thought it was amusing, and I imag- I like imagining that it's true. What if we get, like, six downvotes? They're all listening. Right. Probably <laughs> this, Bruce this, Willis is calling people, be like, they're talking about us. you got to pull this video up and downvote it. I don't think Bruce Willis gives a shit about anything, let alone this podcast. Oh, my God, no. I can't imagine <laughs> Bruce Willis caring at all about what I say. I, like, I don't. I couldn't imagine him caring at all about anything. Like, right. I couldn't imagine him being in love. Like I can't. <laughs> nothing. What if our channel just gets shut down? It's like the one thing he cares about. Don't now. jinx it, you motherfucker. If it happens, it's your fault. <laughs> right. Going to fucking go fucking hard on us right now. I'm suing Alan. What? Sue Bruce Willis. <laughs> I want to ask you guys something else. Have either of you ever seen Reindeer Games before today? Because I have not. I yeah. have not. Okay, Steve, do you have any good stories about seeing this? I I can't imagine you possibly do, but please indulge. The first time I saw it was in a theater with a friend, and he really didn't like it. And it was – he was the same person I made see the remake of Rollerball with me, and I'm, I'm pretty – Oh, my sure, God. Right, and I had no idea in either case it was going to end up being this bad. Like, I thought I had a solid argument going into the theater both times of why the movie was likely to be at least decent, and I, he was real upset. I really want to know <laughs> what your argument for seeing this uh, John Frankenheimer movie is. Like, what is the argument for this director? He, he's a great director. He was. I mean, and a lot of a lot of critics over the years said a lot of really positive things. About and he's, he, it's not like just speculation. He directed a lot of really good movies. He directed a lot, a lot, a lot of movies that got okay. So. <laughs> that got I really didn't know you were an Island of Dr. Moreau fan. No, well, see, that's one of the, the blights on his, uh, but I mean, the guy started directing in 57. And if you go back, I mean, Wait, he's that old. He, oh, yeah. He's passed away. He's not alive anymore. But I mean, if you look through his resume, oh, I mean, nominated, 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 not, it's just like a constant list of awards that were associated. I'm sure. None with, of those are Razzies, right? No, 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 no. I mean, Palm d'Or, like the best of at the Cannes Film Festival, Golden Globe Awards, the Directors Guild of America Award for Outstanding Direction for a feature film for one of his biggest movies, actually. They're called The Birdman of Alcatraz. Um, he directed the original Manchurian Candidate, a movie called Seven Days in May, a racing movie called Grand Prix with James Garner. Um, okay. The Iceman Cometh. I mean, I could keep it with like, the, the guy, his resume is serious. And in fact, two years, two and a half years before this, he wasn't, it wasn't anywhere even remotely near being one of his highest acclaimed films, but he did a movie with Jean Renault. Uh, uh, Robert De Niro, Sean Bean, Natasha Mikkelhone, and a bunch of other people called Ronin. It's actually one of my favorite movies. I love that movie. And it was only like two years before this. Hmm. So, yeah, I mean, at the point this came out, he'd already done that awful remake of Miro. But here's a guy that had been working since 1957 and had a list of these film accomplishments. So I'm like, okay, one bad movie. I'm, I'm so yeah. okay. I retract my previous. Was this writing. just like bad luck, or he just like didn't give a fuck? I think at this point he was already not well and was probably just looking to keep himself busy because the accounts I've heard is that everyone knew going in 
that this wasn't going to be a very good movie, but uh, Charlize Theron, uh, to my point a moment ago, actually specifically said she knew going in, and the only reason she agreed to do the film is because she wanted specifically to work with Frankenheimer, because he was such a legend. So, yeah. Take one for the team. Yeah. yeah. So this movie, how did the casting go about? Do you know anything about that? I don't have a <laughs> whole lot of info myself. There's one tidbit I think is fantastically awesome. Um, Danny Trejo apparently commented on this at one point and told a slightly different version of the story. Um, but the character that Donald Logue played, Pug, who's one of one of the bad guys who's responsible for overlooking uh, Ben Affleck's character during the movie. We'll that guy's there. so great. He is great. And yeah. Donald Logue did a great job of playing him. And I'm, I'm not really upset things worked out this way. But I want to be clear. They originally cast, I mean actually cast and signed paperwork, to my understanding, with Vin Diesel for that part. Um, he, they had him. They had him locked in. He came in. He had pre-production meetings with Frankenheimer no and other members of the crew. He was supposed to be in this movie. As Pug. As Pug. The version of the story that I heard is that very early on during pre-production, he started having disagreements with John Frankenheimer about the way the script should be handled and the way the characters should be developed throughout the film. And right around the time he was really starting to disagree with Frankenheimer, he got an offer through his agent for a little film called The Fast and the Furious. And without knowing whether either film was going to be successful, he decided that working with Frankenheimer was going to be too difficult, and he would take the part on Fast and the Furious instead and just see where it went. Wow, crazy how that worked out. If he'd been in this film, he would not have done Fast and Furious. The production schedules overlapped. Wow, I wonder who would have been Dom. Right? That's kind of what I think. And how much different would Vin Diesel's career have been? Because not to take away the massive financial success of that franchise, but that's 10 films out of his career. You take those away, what would he have been doing all this time? Oh, those time? are easily, that's like what he's known for. Yeah. That's like, like that's easily his yeah. biggest. I mean, that's his franchise. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, he's made so much money. He'd been in Saving Private Ryan, but yeah. as a secondary soldier, no one really remembers it. So I didn't even remember that. Yeah. Yeah. He's actually really good in that. He, that's he a, is. He's really good in that. Got to give it to him there. Fair enough. Credit where credit is yeah. due. Right. Well, let's talk about the film we're here to talk about. Reindeer Games came out in the year 2000. I was in eighth grade. I was a little boy. I wouldn't have seen this kind of movie. Um, <laughs> this looked like, uh, I remember it looking like, you know, your typical crime drama that I didn't have a whole lot of interest in. And I guess I was right. I mean, it kind of sucks. But we'll, we'll talk more about that later. It opens up with um, a shot of a bunch of dead Santa Clauses, which kind of, I guess, tells the viewer... Some shit's gonna happen in it's this movie. It's such a tropey thing at this point. It's like, how did we get to this moment? My, the best, one of the best examples of it, it's a movie called Sunset Boulevard. It's made in the early 50s. It's a noir movie. It's a great movie, but like, yeah, it's been done a million times. Like, I'll, I'm gonna start you kind of at the end and then we'll rewind. It's like that happened. meme when, like, where does it from when he's like, when he pauses, he's like, hold on. He's like, you're probably wondering how we got here. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. And it rewinds like yeah. the tape. I remember that being a thing in like Robot Chicken. Yeah. Right. With Palpatine in the Star Wars. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's a good one. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. Well, it shows us next um, our lead character, Ben Affleck, who plays, I think, Rudy. Yeah, he plays Rudy. Alan, he's in prison. Why don't you tell us a little bit about where we start off with him in prison? Oh, okay. So real quick before we talk about prison. 
The budget was $42 million and it made thirty-two point <laughs> two. Ah, so it actually lost quite a bit of money. Okay, so it was a failure. It was a failure. And it was Frankenheimer's last movie. He died like a year after this got made. So that, that was a way to cap that career. Oh, man. What yeah. a movie. Okay, so it starts off. We, uh, we get the introduction to Rudy, who's in prison. He explains to the narration that he's in prison for uh, Grand Theft Auto. He got five years, and he's in a maximum security prison locked up with rapists and murderers and that's just how the world works and according to his world all the time or whatever <laughs> so he's like ah, oh, you know i just get screwed and i'm in here with these crazy people but he's just a car robber so he's not a bad guy they're trying to set up like oh he's not a bad guy he just robbed some cars and he's getting out soon he's getting out in two days which they uh repeatedly remind you of steve who's he in there with he has a buddy right he's in there with nick cassidy Who's in in sharing a cell with him after having assaulted a man so severely that man died, and you you get told that this happened purportedly because that man was harassing Nick's girlfriend um, in a bar. So I'm gonna kill him. Yeah, it turned into a fist fight, and the guy ended up <laughs> well, dying. It's it's the beginning scene of Con Air, right? Right, exactly. You know, I like. You know, there there have been instances of that kind of thing happening where two guys get into a fist fight. Neither of them really means to hate, hurt each other that badly. And then one person gets hit the wrong way and dies. So I guess the idea there is that this character is, you find out later it's bullshit. But he's basically pretending that's the way it happened. He got into a fist fight. He thought he was just going to beat the guy up a little bit. And then now he ended up dying. Too yeah. fucking strong. Right? Too strong. <laughs> Superman. I'm too strong. I punched him in, in the face to death. Right? Well, if you're a army ranger like Nick Cage, you can. <laughs> But we don't know what Nick Cassidy. He's just some guy. Yeah, they're not spending any time in this jail like doing handstands or learning <laughs> Spanish. <laughs> How or, unrealistic! Well, Ben Affleck <laughs> does some push-ups and crunches. Right. Now in the prison, there's a little bit of a situation. Some guys after Ben Affleck, due to some misunderstanding, that's really irrelevant, so it doesn't matter too much. No. But they have a scene in the mess hall where uh, the prisoners are eating and they have Jello and. Uh, there's there's Mr. Isaac Hayes is in this movie, chef himself, yes. and he I guess, I guess plays kind of like a a little guy that's a little off his rocker in prison, and he's eating his Jello and he finds a cockroach in it, and he, he completely freaks out, and they make it clear like to the some of the other prisoners like to some of them like like well whatever that just happens sometimes, but other prisoners freak out totally and they just basically start a riot over this. Am I following this scene correctly? Yeah, well I mean the guy that's mad at 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 the what's his name um rudy rudy thing the guy's mad at rudy who wants to stab him and i think the idea here is supposed to be that they orchestrated this moment to create the riot that would give him an opportunity to stab so yeah you got that scene right but it's a very weird scene just because you find out later we don't know now but this was all set up because it's all part of the plan but the way they do it is he freaks out and starts saying there's monsters in the jello and now i don't know if that's a reference to the to the other character later whose nickname is Monster. Nope. No. Okay, so that's just <laughs> random. There's no... Yeah. Okay. I'm not giving it that kind of credit. <laughs> they <laughs> used the word Monster enough. more than once, so... Yeah. I don't know. But it's it just like, why would they set it up like that? They can't just start a food fight or start, like, a riot. They're like, there's some stupid, like, nonsensical plan to say there's monsters in the jello. It's, like, dumb. <laughs> like, but there is a food fight slash riot, and during which Nick, who's Ben Affleck's cellmate gets stabbed, and he's presumably dead. Now, he's been going on about this whole situation he has where he has, like, a, a pen pal girlfriend, which is pretty common for people in prison, actually. Ashley. He has a pen pal girlfriend named Ashley, that's right. 
And it's like the girl of his dreams and he's going to get out and be with her. And they've been talking through letters through for many months and whatever. They're in love with each other. But he dies right before he's supposed to get out. He Two dies. Two days and he gets shanked. Slightly, not very important at this stage, but la- important later on to know that he got her contact information through a sort of classified ad section in a magazine advertising women that were interested in talking to convicts. I see. Yeah. Okay, so he's dead, right? Oh, yeah. He <laughs> he dies in uh, Rudy's arms and Rudy cries and he's bleeding and he dies out. Okay. Now, we said Affleck's getting out in two days. This is the very beginning. So, the two days pass. He gets out of prison along with a bunch of other people that are scheduled to get out and he sees the girl that his cellmate has been writing to, right? Yeah, well, it's this typical movie released from jail scene where, like, there's people's families waiting outside and everyone's happy to see each other and there's hugging. And, like, I get the feeling that's not really the way prison releases go. I have a feeling it's more, like, awkward and a little sad. And, like, you've been in jail and your family's just, like, seeing you outside of jail for the first time in quite some while. And, like, I don't know. I don't think there'd be a lot of, like, smiling and laughing and hugging. I think it'd be more like, let's just... Get, just out get out of here, here. yeah. Get there's in the a, fucking car. Right? <laughs> yeah, where do you want to go this, eat? Like, <laughs> There's a kid with a sign. So it's like, welcome home, dad. <laughs> right? God, how much that must suck. Yeah. So here's the first kicker of the movie, right? So <laughs> Ben Affleck sees the girl and he, you can see he's kind of like wavering. Like, should I go talk to her? Eventually, he goes to her and he pretends that he's the guy that got stabbed, his cellmate Nick Cassidy. This is where it all starts. He says, oh, I'm Nick. This and is she doesn't know because she's never seen him. And they they immediately, like, go to a hotel room and bang, right? That's, like, step one. Yeah, pretty much. Well, yeah. I mean, they, I guess they get coffee. I mean, they it's quick. They eat. Yeah, but it, yeah. Yeah, they're fucking pretty fast here. <laughs> I mean, that's his thing, right? He pretending to be this other guy so he could fuck her. Yeah, well, like, he sort of plays it like he wants to go tell her what's gone on. For a moment before he really gets back off the bus to see her, he's like, I want to be a good guy and go, like, talk to her. But then it becomes apparent that within minutes he's decided he'd rather take the opportunity to sleep with her first. So, really, he's just a terrible person. Yeah, he's a complete dickhead. This is all his fault. Like, it is. On the basis of behaving that way, it makes it really difficult to actually feel sympathetic for him later on. Oh, he just wanted to get laid in a... right. Like fucking sleazy way, right? He sees her. He's like, "Well, maybe I'll wait to tell her until after we've had sex." <laughs> like, yeah, and through a couple scenes, we can get that because they go shop, whatever. They do a little stupid, inane bullshit. But he's basically saying to himself, to the audience, I should be more specific right. here. He's like, "I'm going to tell her after Christmas. I just want to give her a good Christmas. Then I'm going to tell her." Yeah, just want to make sure yeah, I got someone to bang her. through yeah. Christmas, and then <laughs> you do get to see. Long time. You do get to see Charlize Theron's boobs, though. A couple of times. It's great. Well, you're going to see him right here. It's right here. Yeah. Early. A pool scene, I, th- I like a little better. Also, that but- sex scene was like pretty raunchy, too. <laughs> Just throwing it out there. I was like, okay. I mean, it's rated R, but like. like I, I didn't realize till we were in the middle of watching it. Uh, Frankenheimer added 20 minutes back to the film for the DVD release, claiming that it was footage he thought made the movie pace a little better and made it a slightly, slightly less bad experience. And this was the director's cut, and I don't think it really made any difference. Mm. Wait, this was the the one he added the footage? The one yeah. we watched? Yeah, the one we watched. It, it, I mean, it was 20 minutes of footage that he'd originally intended to be in the movie anyway. So there's a there's another one that's shorter than this? 20 minutes shorter, yeah. Oh, fuck. It's not a big difference, but... I know. mean, I might feel like it 
20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. So where it goes from here is Ben Affleck and Charlize Theron, they go back to their like, room, I guess they're staying in a, mo- a motel or something, and Ben Affleck walks in and he's ambushed by a bunch of thugs and you're trying to figure out what's going on. They like, they tune him up a little bit and they hold him. It's Danny Trejo is one of the guys in there. It's, you know, other, yeah, DT's in there. (laughs) And we see that the leader of this group of thugs is Lieutenant Dan himself. He looks very mm. post-Vietnam Lieutenant Dan. It's Gary Sinise, of course. He looks a lot like Lieutenant Dan. In the yeah, movie. I was like, just going to say, it looked like him in the movie at that stage. Like, yeah, Like, he just finished filming that movie and then started doing reindeer games. It was several years later, but yeah, it yeah. does look like that. And, and, you know, of course, he has legs, so it's just... it's not, When I say Lieutenant Dan, I don't mean a guy with no legs. Did you know Gary Sinise really had his legs amputated to play that role? <laughs> <laughs> And then he had him reattached for That's like some games. Christian Bale level shit. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, absolutely it is. <laughs> he does look pretty crazy in this movie, though. I guess that was kind of cool. Yeah, like, I mean, he, he looks like a pretty good crazy guy. And okay. Lieutenant Dan, he's, he's, he's Gary Sinise, he's, talk, he's, he's called Monster in this movie, but I'm, what I call him is going to be all over the place. So just expect that. Gabriel as well. Gabriel, Monster, Lieutenant Dan, Gary Sinise. <laughs> Any of those will work for this guy, okay? So he's saying, uh, oh, you're Nick Cassidy. You used to work at this casino. You rode in to the, what's your name about? Charlize Theron. Mm-hmm. And uh, Steve, maybe you can expand on this. What is, the, what is it they want from Ben Affleck here? So you get a little exposition here that establishes that, that Rudy's, what you think now deceased cellmate Nick was at one point a security guard at a little casino on a Native American reservation uh, somewhere in northern Michigan. And um, Gary Sinise's character believes that with information supplied by this guy, because he thinks that Rudy is Nick, uh, he thinks that information supplied by this guy will be sufficient to help them rob this casino. And uh, that that's basically what they're doing here. So Rudy realizes uh, what a mess he's in, and he immediately says, I'm not Nick. Like, I was just pretending to sleep with her. Right. He does really the smart thing. I mean... Obviously, these guys are into something a lot bigger than uh, he can possibly provide. But this is essentially the whole second act, what we just described here. We need you to help us get into this casino so we can rob it. It's not me. I'm not the guy. Okay, well, then we're going to kill you. Okay, then I am the guy. But I'm not actually the guy. Okay, we're going to kill you again. But I am the guy. This happens like so many times. Now that you mention that, this second scene might be the longest second scene in movie history. (laughs) That goes back and forth, like you said, like three or four times. And it just drags. It's like, come on. like I don't know. The second act of The Phantom Menace is like an hour and a half. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's way more painful than this. Like, uh, But yeah, they do. They go back to that one quite a few times. It's like... one scene of it I can understand, but at the end of that scene, once he's sort of realized he's screwed either way and they'll murder him if they if he pushes the I'm not Nick thing, he, he just, just stick with it. Let's not go back to that. Yeah, eventually he says, yeah, okay, I'm Nick, right? And then they say, okay, so this casino you used to work at, we have a layout. Tell us where we can get in. Tell us where we can get out, where the money is. Tell us about the security situation. And they have this like drawn hand-drawn layout that they provide and he kind of a smart move here he starts like making shit up he's like that's not supposed to be here that's supposed to be here oh they must have uh, renovated the place entirely the so, guy who runs it was talking about a big renovation he must have finally done it yeah he's basically just trying to save his ass and just 
make up shit just to go with it. But their response is, well, in that case, we must not need you. Right. You know, they keep he, every time he thinks he's found a clever way, Gary Sinise keeps one upping him. And the one up is always the same thing. It's always, okay, I'm going to kill you now. Right. But then wait, they don't actually kill him because they might need him or he can make up more shit. Right. At least they've um, they've gotten by Alan's rule. Like, why not just kill him? They actually have a need for him. Mm. Right? Yeah, no. See, they, they, I like Gary Sinise here. He's more ruthless. Like, let's just kill him. Fuck it. <laughs> Even though they actually don't. Let's just kill him. We'll be yeah. poor. It's not that bad. We've done it our whole lives. <laughs> hey, they're not poor. They're truckers, dude. Yeah, that's well, true. He's making that trucker money. That's kind of the, the secondary underline there is they, they do establish that Sinise and his cohorts normally run guns illegally. That's like their whole game. And they've got this tractor trailer truck that's been rigged out with like special storage for weapons and all kinds of shit. And so these guys are making money, but they're making money doing stuff that's super difficult and and, uh, very illegal. Oh, so let's do a more difficult and more legal thing. (laughs) Right. I think their idea is we don't have to work anymore. Like just one job. One last ride. This is basically a one last job movie. One last. It's basically ride. every movie. One right. last ride. But we also find out it's not just their one last job; it's their one only job. <laughs> right. We've never. These men are not before. professional thieves at all. <laughs> they don't really know what the fuck they're doing. I thought that part was kind of funny. I I briefly chuckled because I thought that was a funny like quir- uh, quip they threw in there. Like, oh, they never actually robbed the place. <laughs> it is a kind of an interesting way to turn it on its head. Yeah. And it would probably be better suited in a better film. But I, you're, I'm with you. I kind of like the idea that, okay, they're not these expert criminals like you would see in any other movie that just like this group of criminals that just walked into the movie. They have this whole history of doing this. No, they're just kind of like guys that have kind of done some crime. But yeah. Yeah, just like low-level thugs. Like they're tough, but they never actually robbed the place. So what happens next is they decide, okay, we're going to have Ben Affleck here go scope out the casino see what changes have been made, and see if we can figure out a game plan. Steve, what, how do they approach this situation? They, um, <laughs> they decide they want to go scope out the inside of the casino to try to um, see if they can figure out what's changed since the renovation that Rudy has claimed has been, been happened, that, that has taken place. Excuse me. Um, and uh, they decide that in order to avoid, because they think he's Nick and then he might be recognized by people in the casino. Which makes sense. Which makes sense. You know, to try to avoid this, he should wear some kind of costume. But they put him in like the most cliche, like flamboyant. Very conspicuous. Very super conspicuous red and black, like cowboy costume. That can possibly ever exist. It doesn't even really look like... It looks like a caricature of a cowboy costume. Like a shitty goatee. Right? And they claim that they could only either get that or ballerina for him. Apparently, they went to uh, a costume store. But they also give him like a fake mustache and a fake goatee. And it's like at that rate, you could have just put him in literally any clothes, sunglasses, a hat... And the mustache and goatee. Yeah, it would have been less conspicuous. Just give him a t-shirt and a jeans <laughs> right? and a goatee. It would have been much less conspicuous. It's it's not like the people he used to work with have a like a memorized visual chart of every outfit the guy ever wore, ever wore when they saw him. So I mean, yeah, you're going to notice the cowboy guy. Right, yeah. You'd be like, what's with the cowboy guy? <laughs> right. In Michigan. <laughs> right, exactly. In fucking northern Michigan up near the Canadian border. At an Indian casino. At an Indian casino. and he does, Native like, American. Need if is you right. please. It's true. It's really bad using the word Indian like that. But but yeah, and even comments like, you're going to send me in there wearing this. But they're like, oh, it's either this or ballerina. So uh, he ends up going in. And while he's in there, he meets a character played by Dennis Farina, who's always entertaining. 
whose character is like the head of security for this casino. And uh, he's a character they establish apparently used to run casinos in Vegas. But later on, they allude that for whatever reason, he, he cannot go back to Vegas. So I guess he did something he wasn't supposed to. He has a really good rant. He's uh, probably the most entertaining character in this movie. Yeah, he's always great. But he has a really good rant about how he can uh, he can increase profits and everything's good. But the one thing is he can't get rid of snow. And that's like what's holding him back. Right. Nobody wants to come in with the snow. Snow. Are you with me here, boys? Snow. Now I'm talking big time, grade A, God quality, S-N-O fucking W, snow. Now look, you guys hired me because you wanted Las Vegas quality. I brought it to you. You wanted Las Vegas press. I gave that to you. But I cannot give you Las Vegas profits until you people get together around a campfire, smoke a pipe, and do some kind of fucking spirit dance about this goddamn snow. Yeah, I agree. I like his rant, and I like that guy in the movie Snatch a lot. Yeah, he's, his character in Snatch is great. He's very good in Get Shorty. I mean, he was really good in a lot of movies. He was actually a cop at one point in his career, which is part of the reason why he frequently ended up playing cops in films, because he, he knew exactly how to be one. But yeah, interesting guy. Is that guy still alive? No, he passed away four or five years ago. Yeah, oh, I think damn. a big heart attack or something. Okay. Yeah. So, while scoping out the place, Ben Affleck uses this opportunity to try to get away. So, he goes into the bathroom where he sees famous actor and star of the show Punked, Ashton Kutcher. And he says, Ashton, I'm a big fan of yours. I really like Punked. Will you do me a favor and wear my outfit so I could sneak out of this building? And Ashton Kutcher, being the nice guy that he is, agrees to this. Did I recap that scene correctly? Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly what happened. Well, he's... Such a nice guy that he uh, took $100 to do it. <laughs> he did. So I don't think he's a nice guy. I mean, 100 bucks. What year did that 70s show go on the Yeah, air? he had to have been known by now. Well, I, he definitely was not that famous. But he was still, like, he was known. I mean, somebody probably would have said, oh, it's that guy from that 70s show. Maybe would have known his did name. Did they but pick definitely... him by accident or because he was, like, some, or he was No, an they definitely didn't go looking for him for that part. That character's on screen for all of 28 it's seconds. It's so weird they, to have they him They did in not there, care, like... like then they could have picked anyone. Like, why him? He, he Well, that's what I'm saying. He must have auditioned for that part, which it, it tells me at that point that he, he really was at the like the early stages so of his career. he was career. still trying to get like whatever he could. Yeah. I mean, getting the lead, one of the lead parts on the show was great. But at that point, I think you're, you're still taking parts just to get yourself out there. Hey, oh, you're a sure. yeah. bathroom distraction guy. Right. I mean, you never know. Second season, nobody knew that 70s show was going to be that popular. Yeah. It's just so weird but now because I would argue so that it has no right to be. I would also argue it has no right to be, but I'd say the same thing about Big Bang, and that really makes people angry. Yeah, I don't like so, that show either. Right? The Young Sheldon's just straight up bad. It's a stupid, oh, stupid show. That don't even get me started on right? that. <laughs> I don't even really like any sitcoms, so I'm not the right guy I tend to, to agree with you. Yeah, I just am not the right movie. audience for most sitcom shows, but... Like, I like smart shows. Like well, Big Bang's supposed to be. Fuller House. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, the only answer to that is Rick and Morty. Rick and Morty <laughs> actually is a show for smart people. I love that show. Okay, you, guys, guys. you guys are the meme yeah. come to life. Right? Forgive the neckbeards, no, audience. No, look. Straight up, Nick and Morty is, is a show for intelligent dorks and nerds and people that aren't on like... Look, if you're, if you're the opposite of a hipster, like... Absolutely. I'm not claiming Rick and Morty's for cool people because it's not. It's just for people that aren't stupid. I just don't want to go on record 
with us saying like, yeah, you got to be smart to like Rick and Morty. I fucking hate that meme. <laughs> no, I don't like, I wouldn't say that. I, 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 I think it's a show that anybody can like, but that there's some intelligent humor in. The real yeah. one, the real sleeper uh, is Futurama. Futurama's that one they right. actually put like math formulas and there's a lot of like little Easter eggs. Yeah. Um, they actually had like mathematicians like consult on the show and they put a lot of like real shit in there. King of the Hill was brilliant. I, Do you guys like any shows that are not cartoons? Uh, I have, uh, are there shows that aren't cartoons? Uh, yeah, I mean, but real no, nothing that's on network TV. <laughs> I like live action stuff that's made for like HBO. Westworld? You know? Westworld's amazing. Yeah, it's one of my favorites. I like some of the Amazon original stuff. Mm-hmm. I like what's on Netflix. It's just like ABC, NBC, CBS, that stuff. Nah. nah. Ever All since right. we started this podcast, it's kind of... Shattered my faith in real acting. <laughs> right. 30 Rock I loved. 30 Rock was hilarious. Off The Office was great and Parks and Rec were great. But, yeah. All right. So, let's get back into it here. So I'd rather talk about 30 Rock, <laughs> to be honest. Like, <laughs> we got Ashton Kutcher as our decoy and Ben Affleck tries to escape the casino. And he's he's semi-successful. He, like, runs out of there and they have kind of a, a foot chase through the ice because they're up there in Michigan and it's winter and, you know, there's snow everywhere. So... Real quick, I don't think we established that he pays him to switch outfits. Yeah, so we did. Ashton. Oh, we did. Okay, so Ashton Kutcher has the cowboy, the, and that's how they they recognize him because it's so ridiculous. Like, oh, there he goes. There's the guy in a uh, conspicuous outfit. <laughs> yeah. Follow him. And Plus, he has similar facial hair. It's Ashton Kutcher, and <laughs> um, Rudy's trying to escape now. So Rudy's running away, and um, at this point, the girl Ashley is trying to stop her brother. Who is Gary Sinise? I don't know if we mentioned that, but uh, it's revealed that, you know, they're family, supposedly. And all the goons are chasing him, and they they run out to uh, some ice. A frozen lake, I guess, right? Yeah. So, Ben Affleck runs onto the ice, and the girl runs after him. And he kind of is not with her because she betrayed him in a way, or she was going to betray Nick. But she falls through the ice... And he does rescue her, and he also falls. Well, he dives into the ice, right? He kind of jumps. We don't. Well, not dive, but yeah, he purposely jumps in. He he kind of does like a pencil move and just kind of sinks down to rescue her. And to rescue her, he ends up getting caught again. There, I mean, this is kind of a thing in the movies. I'm not the guy. I am the guy. Run away. Get caught. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's pretty oh, formulaic. Yeah. It's basically an hour and 45 minutes of that. Yeah, and yeah. after he she screwed him, he still went back. Like, <laughs> you should have just left her. She tried. She would have had you killed. She was part of this. So, one of the things that I, I like that happens next, I'm just going to skip to it. Once they have him captured again, they're like, don't try to fuck us over again. And he's like freezing because he just got out of the ice and he's still in the wet clothes and they just have him in a room. And they're just throwing darts at him, which is hilarious. <laughs> they got those old school, you know, like metal tip darts. And they're just like tossing him into his body. Oh, pretty yeah. awesome. Yeah. Steve, any commentary on the darts? I, no, it's a pretty cool way to torture somebody, I think. You know? Oh, yeah. And they kind show some a, scenes. Kind of a creative scene. They've got them all pinned up, freezing, throwing darts at him. And they actually get some in them. Like they show them some scenes where they actually throw some in them. Yeah. Yeah. And meanwhile, Ashley, she kind of convinces Ben Affleck that she's on his side. That's another thing that goes back and forth Back a lot. and forth. <laughs> back and forth. It's like, come on. Pick a motherfucking side, goddammit. And you, there, no one's even sure. Like, Ben Affleck, I never got the, like, I never knew where he was actually at in the movie. Like, sometimes I thought he was faking it. Sometimes he was like, oh, I'm really concerned about you. 
Sometimes he was playing along just not to get killed. It was just like dumb. Like we're back and forth. No one knows what's going on. I, th- I think he was meant to seem conflicted in that regard. I'm not defending it, but I think that he was. The character was supposed to be kind of wavering back and forth between screw this woman. She tried to set me up versus, but am I really such an awful guy that I'd leave if she were about to die? Like, yeah. Yeah, but it's... I would have. Yeah, I would have. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. I'm sorry, lady. But, so, here's another point. Ben Affleck is in his motel room, and uh, he pulls, like, a little MacGyver stunt, and he escapes, because he has his, like, leg chained to the bed or some shit. And he's going to he's gonna escape again, but in this escape attempt, he, like, overhears the girl and Gary Sinise talking to each other, and he realizes that they're actually in cahoots. They're not brother and sister. She's actually working for him and is his actual girlfriend. Anyway, he goes to escape, but doesn't for some reason that I can't understand. Yeah, he overhears them, and then he has to race back to his room before the guards get there. Well, I don't know, know why he just didn't leave, though. When he was in a truck at one point, it just it doesn't really make sense why he went back into the building in the first place. Because he has to rescue Ashley, that girl that... But he just them. heard that she's on that, not on his side, so... And and yet, he still wants to save her later. They're still back and forth after that. Yeah. It's annoying. It yeah, that's really the annoying. part. Yeah, that sucks. Well, as we have discussed, that happens a lot. So let's get to... The big plan. And the big plan is to rob this casino. I guess they're just going to kind of wing it and use the fake information that Ben Affleck gives them. They've been told he's not the guy. Then they've been told he is the guy. I think they're just believing what they want to believe at this point. Yeah, at this point, it's been back and forth like two or three times already. But they ask him, even though it, even though he ran away like twice, and he's said he's not, and it's just been this back and forth, they still ask him to draw a map. They're like, okay, fine. You may or may not be the guy. You're probably not based on everything, but you might be. So draw us this map. <laughs> and then Ben Affleck just basically makes this shit up. And they they go in there. Their plan is to be, their disguises are to be dressed as Santa Claus. It's, Another inconspicuous disguise. It's Christmas Eve. So I guess the idea is like, oh, there's just people dressed as Santas. And they when they come in, they all claim to work at local malls and shopping centers. So, I, yeah, I guess the idea is, you know, if they all claim that they just got off their shift and have nowhere else to be, they're just here to play, then, okay, it makes sense. There's a bunch of, guy in, bunch of guys in Santa costumes. There but. was a one funny joke where they actually mentioned that when when they first get there, they're kind of playing the part, like, oh, we're just Santas. And one of the security guards says that. He's like, hey, is there, like, a, a mall Santa convention or something? <laughs> and uh, Dennis Freeney's like, oh, fuck if I know. He's like, there could be. <laughs> he just, like, doesn't give a fuck. Because the guy asked that, he's like, hey, this isn't this weird? He's like, oh, I don't know, it could be a thing. I've seen some weird <laughs> shit in my day. <laughs> I thought that part was funny. So they go to have their big heist, and it's the Santa Claus stick-up. You think it's uh, going to be Ocean's Eleven style at first. Like, they got a plan, they're going to cause a distraction. A guy's going to slip into a room. Well, this is where it finally pays off that, like, Rudy's been finding ways to carry this along and not get killed. But the reality is he never worked at that casino. He's got no idea how any of it works. He's got no idea what's behind any of the locked doors or in any of the rooms on the second floor. And all of the information he's given them, except for one piece that turns out to be a twist at the end, all bullshit. Yeah, because so, he, he's not the guy. He didn't know any of this. And yeah. he said that at the beginning. Right. And we went back and forth three or four times and he's still there. But the biggest, I think, payout right at the head of this scene is is when they get to the money room. Yes. It's fun. The count room has 
armed guards. So the the heist is going surprisingly well without them having any real intel on the place. But when one of the guys, Pug or another, it doesn't really matter. He's told them there's only one guard inside this room with no weapon. Yeah, he mentions that earlier because he doesn't know. He just says, "What do shit. we have in reality, though? We have three guys with shotguns, and they just fucking." Blast They him. just cut this guy in half, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> he opens the door and they're just there ready and just, he's done. That's like my favorite moment of the whole heist. Because, I mean, realistically, that's what would end up I mean, obviously, none of this is supposed to be really reality. But that's what ends up happening. These guys have set this whole thing up on the back of a bunch of, like, guesses and lies and bad information. Like, it's going to be chaotic and terrible and someone's going to get shot. And, like, it's going to, the whole thing's going to be fucked. And don't forget, they've never robbed the place. Right, and they've never robbed the place. <laughs> so, yeah. And the guy that we're relying on has got no idea what he's talking about. Like, yeah. So that, yeah, when you put it like that, this part's pretty good. Right. And Ben <laughs> Affleck doesn't have a real gun. Obviously, they don't want to give him one. Right, they've given him a water gun. They give him a water gun, which he, uh, like, secretly filled with booze. Yeah, Pug hands him a bottle of rum at one point to take a swig of, and he's smart enough to dump some of the rum into this <laughs> this water gun. Although, he, he did not end up... Like, when I first saw the movie, my guess for how that would get used is not how it got used, but... What do you think was going to happen? I thought he was going to shoot someone in the eyes with it. Me too. Because yeah, it, it really would hurt like a motherfucker. <laughs> you get hit in the eyes with the rum. I thought he but. was going to get into um, a standoff, and the other guy was going to have it. And he's like, oh. Yeah, that's the other alternative. Or the other guy turns out to have the water yeah, gun. Yeah. I thought that's what was going to happen. What actually happens is he does get in a fight with one of the goons. There are two guns. Ben Affleck gets the water gun. The other guy gets the real gun. And since the other guy realizes that, he decides, well, you know what? I'm just going to light a cigarette before I shoot you. Here, dude, this is what I hate. This goes against everything I stand for, dude. Right? He has to take his time. He's like, yeah, I'm just going to chill and smoke before I kill you. He's got to have that bad guy yeah. monologue. Yep. Which gives the good guy just enough time to kill him. And how does he do that, Steve? He fires the pistol full of rum at the guy's lighter while he's lighting a cigarette. And it sprays and somehow lights the guy like full-fledged fire. Oh, he's engulfed in flames. Right. Completely immolated. Right. Yeah. Like flame, like he's got flamethrower <laughs> from a small amount of liquor on his lighter. Uh, I love that. <laughs> That's awesome. It's another highlight. <laughs> There's also a point when they... Um, they they get the head of the casino guy and they're trying to they got a lot of money from the count room a fuck ton of money but they want more money Ben Affleck has been saying that there's something called the powwow safe yes which is true so they get the guy that owns the casino to open the powwow safe it's the security head what head of security oh he's the head of security yeah he's not really the owner he's the head of security or the marketing or whatever you know what's weird yeah. is yeah but I'm with Corey they didn't really like it's, they did, but they didn't really dwell on it because I thought the same thing. He just sounded like Big Shot, like he, the owner. He does mention it, but it's true. They're they're they not like specific enough. He's definitely like the most senior person there at yeah. the moment. Alan, why don't you tell us about the powwow safe? So the powwow <laughs> safe. One. So this is a, this comes up early in the movie because Ben Affleck, in order for them not to kill him, like one of the first two times when they realize he's faking it, his one of his last efforts is, oh, I know about this safe, and he calls it the powwow safe. So he establishes it early, and then once they rob the place, Gary Sinise is all about that. He's like, where's the powwow safe? Because Ben Affleck said it has millions of dollars that the guy's been skimming, and it's like the secret safe, and now they want it because there's money in there. So he's like, where's the safe? Where's the safe? And this is where they realize for like the fourth time that Ben Affleck is lying because there's no safe. But 
this turns out to be the one part that's true is he overheard uh, Nikki actually talking about it, and he knows it's behind the liquor cabinet. So they actually find the safe, and you think, okay, here we go. Like, he wasn't lying. And when um, the guy opens the safe, he just comes out spraying guns, because I guess there was, like, Uzis in there. Ow. Wow. Pow wow. Yeah, it was just a safe of guns, I yeah. guess. That moment was pretty, was pretty awesome, too. Like, just he opens it Uzi's. slowly, and then just all hell breaks loose. Yeah, I mean, th- the goons that are there, a couple of them die. It basically, through a bunch of chaos here that's happening during this heist, it, the gang kind of gets whittled down to just Gary, Sinise, and Charlize Theron. And Ben Affleck kind of approaches him on the way out, and you think he gets the drop on Gary, Sinise, but then they capture him again. So... The heist is kind of wrapped up. It's not really where this ends because they do leave. Gary Sinise and Charlize Theron are the only ones left alive and they have Ben Affleck captive, right? And they have the money. So they're, and they're driving away. The cops are going to the casino and uh, Gary Sinise thinks they got away with it. He's like, we did it. I mean, they basically did. Um, they did, yeah. Yeah. So they have the money and they're already gone and they, they did it. And they take Ben Affleck to a secluded location where they decide to kill him. In a very slow and uh, super villainous kind of way. Steve, do you want to break down the uh, the final confrontation here? Were they going to do it in a slow... I, th- they no. I thought the idea was they put him in the car, they dump the car over the cliff. Yeah, they're going to roll it out of the thing and set it on fire. Yeah, it's He'll true. have enough time to so hotwire got- his way out of there. Right. <laughs> Part of that plan, which I thought was a small, nice touch, is they put a portion of the money into the car with him. So it looks like he, the, all the money burned up or he had the money and he's dead. So right. they can get away with the, all the rest of it. I'm, I'm going to be an asshole here. I'm sorry. Um, that seems totally pointless to me. The I whole thought car, that was good. The whole car goes up in flames. No part of that money's going to be left behind. What are they going to find? You ever try to – you ever set money on fire before? Fuck I mean, you no. shouldn't. But like – What do you think? It, I am a lunatic? Right. Well, that, see, that's the, what they're saying. That's the point. The, but think about it, dude. What's the point of putting evidence inside a car the cops are not going to find? Well, no. They're going to find – Burn, they're going to know that some per- burned parts of it, and they're going to assume the rest No, that whole car is going to go up in flames. All it's going to burn up. I, I don't know. Maybe they'll throw some money around it. <laughs> they can throw I it down the cliff after it. it. Sprinkle some crack yeah. on it after it dies. I mean, all right, I'll give you this much. There's a possibility some of it will survive inside the car. But, I mean, money's basically caught in paper. Like, if it gets anywhere near fire, it's going to go up. I, I would imagine... You set a car on fire with money inside of it and dump that that thing burning over a cliff. By the time it's done burning, there ain't no money traces left inside okay. of it. Well, look, they put like, some money in there. They're going to kill Nick and burn the money. Right. Steve, can you help me out with this? And last, So there's a there's a twist that's revealed. And yeah. There's a series of uh, lines that are leading up to it. Shyamalan-esque. Very much. It was aliens. It was aliens. It's right. <laughs> I see dead people. No, look, basically, trying to explain how it plays out in dialogue is ridiculous. It boils down to this. Nick, uh, the cellmate, did not die when he got stabbed in prison. Um, he made it look like he died, but he basically spent a few days holed up in the prison's medical facility and then got released. He paid the guy to shank him because this is all part of the plan. Yeah, and then he paid guards to make it sound as if he died in the medical ward so people would believe it. Gary Sinise is just a puppet the whole time. Yeah, Gary Sinise, it turns out, ha- even he has no idea what's actually going on. He's like mid-level in this scam. Um, you find out that <laughs> the woman we think is Ashley is actually, I believe, Millie. 
and Millie is the woman that Nick was supposedly defending when he murdered this other dude that got him sent to prison in the first place. And it turns out that Millie worked as a waitress, and the bar she waitressed at had some customers who were truckers, who had big mouths, who bragged to her about the fact that they ran weapons for people. And um, so Millie and Nick decided to use these idiot truckers as pawns in this whole scheme. Nick fakes his death two days before he's supposed to get out of prison. Um, apparently, knowing that this might not all pay off, but he sets this whole thing up under the auspices that Rudy would do what he did, that that Rudy would pretend to be him and run off with, with Ashley and then be tricked by Ashley and Monster and end up getting himself involved in this scheme. And from Nick's end of things, it sort of works out either way because if the robbery is successful, Monster and Millie, Ashley, get to kill everybody else or leave them and take the money. And if it doesn't work out, Nick is somewhere else while the rest of them get murdered trying to rob this casino. So from his end, it's really not that bad an arrangement. I feel like they rely on a lot of things just falling into place correctly. They do. And that's one of my biggest problems with this film is like even beyond all the other instances where you're absolutely right. And there are dozens of them. You go back to the very beginning. He's banking on the fact that Rudy will pretend to be him and then go run off with Ashley. Why would you ever assume that's what the other person was going to do? Yeah, this plan sucks. Right. This Uh. plan is overly complicated and it only works in a movie. Yeah, exactly. That was the problem, dude. In real life, he probably gets on that bus and never talks to her. And it was already at a pretty low point. But when they introduced the twist where Nick is still (laughs) alive, that just throws any hope it had out the window. That just fucks everything up. And it's at least one twist too many. They were better off letting that character be dead and just having the one twist be that Ashley was actually involved with Monster. Perfect. Yeah, that twist was so unnecessary. Right. We were seeing it for the first time and I was confused. Like, I knew kind of what was going on, but like, it was just so unnecessarily convoluted. Now, Gary Sinise does get killed by Charlize Theron because he's just whatever. He's just part of the plan. He's expendable. He's as much a pawn as Rudy is. Absolutely. And then... And then Ben Affleck gets put in his death trap, which is, you know, he's put in the car. They're going to put it in neutral. It's going to slowly roll out of the truck while it's on fire. going to roll off a cliff. But we have established that this man is a car thief. He can hotwire any car. Oh, he's sure. On this side of the Mississippi. I don't know. They don't say that, but you know. Right. He doesn't forget to tell him that, too. He specifically says, never put a car thief behind the wheel or something. Yeah. Well, he says something stupid. So, it may, maybe it should have been Vin Diesel. Oh, no, wait. That wasn't. That wouldn't have been him. Right. <laughs> Never mind. But, I mean, but it, just, you mentioned it while we were watching, Alan. Like, the moment he almost escaped from the hotel, he makes his way into a pickup truck. He steals a knife from a toolbox inside the pickup truck and uses it to try to hotwire that truck. So, at this point, at the end of the movie, he still has that knife on him. And he uses it to hotwire the car that he's been thrown in back of inside this trailer. It's weird that he managed to keep it on him and not be noticed. Like, a lot of time has passed. It's been a day or two, at least, since he tried to do that. And, like, it's weird that, like, at no point, at no point did he bathe and have to hide it somewhere. Or even if he hasn't been bathing, like... He, he never got patted down. He never got checked. These guys are constantly manhandling him. They've been chaining him to a bed. Like, it's just weird that it would have gone unnoticed like that. It also sucks how when they put him in the car and they're trying to push it on the cliff, it takes like three minutes for him to push the car and roll it 
like 20 feet off the cliff. <laughs> like, no, it would have just rolled off the cliff. He had like two minutes to like, you know, cut his ties, hotwire the car. It's like, dude, it was a neutral. You just roll it. That's right? a movie mm-hmm. thing, right? Like every time they get to the end and there's like a bomb, it's about to go off. And the timer on the bomb is just 38 seconds, but it really takes three and a half minutes to play out. What's, yeah. the, what's the length of the runway in the sixth Fast and the Furious? Oh, yeah. It's like 30 miles or something. <laughs> Some bullshit. <laughs> hey, man. Don't, don't hate on that movie. It's a masterpiece. No, I hate on, on it. that part. No, I hate that It's good. Part. hate on all of them. Yeah. They're all good. Well, not <laughs> all then, of them. Two sucks. This Two's whole thing. awful. This whole thing at the end is exactly what I hate, dude. They have to, everybody has to give a speech. No one shuts up. Everyone's talking like, oh, we got you, Rudy. Let me explain everything that's going on. And mm-hmm. they have to fucking explain everything and don't you kill You fool. Them. I have masterminded this whole operation. <laughs> yeah. I've been planning it for years. It all started when I was a boy. <laughs> <laughs> and they, yeah, they just have to do it. It's, it's like, come second on. and third consecutive Fast and Furious movies had nothing to do with the <laughs> Steve, main characters. get off of it. All right. Damn it. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> Fine. You want to talk about second, third one? Fine. Yeah, Don't fuck fine. with me on four through eight. <laughs> Those are the, the really the peak ones. What about Hobbs and Shaw? Does that count? Uh, okay. You know, let's go back to talking about Rainier. Right. No, fine. You started this. <laughs> this is my fault. I take responsibility. Finish this. Hobbs and Shaw is okay. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen the it yet. Third act so. is too fucking long. Okay. But other than that, it's all right, you know? If that movie's more than 45 minutes long, the whole thing's too long. Oh, my God. Well, Steve, it's going to be about Steve, do you get it? The Rock is... He's a muscle man. He's, like, just all American grit and force. And then you got Shaw. You know what? all finesse and just British charm. You're right. I get it now. This will be the first movie they've done that with him in. (laughs) It's finally come together for you? Right. We're just two different people who don't understand their each other's culture they're enemies one was a criminal one was a cop but they have to come together to save the world it's almost as if there's some kind of odd couple hmm and one of them is british right <laughs> well there's no odd couple here in this movie no no it's just the couple that. gets uh uncoupled very quickly because Charlize theron is very quickly murdered by ben affleck and the other guy nick cassidy is mortally wounded and then, I guess, killed. Yeah. Yeah, Nick Nick uh, hotwires the car. He backs it up in Nick and, like, crushes him against the truck. And then he drives um, Millie off the cliff. And then afterwards, the final thing is he locks up the truck and then sets it in neutral so the truck goes off the cliff, too. That's right. So, they're dead. So, everyone's dead. is now and, a murderer. Yeah, he, he escaped. Now, I think, and this might just be me, I think... This scene was written, the scene I'm about to describe, and then a movie was written around this scene. So the very last thing that happens in the movie is Ben Affleck is in a dirty Santa Claus outfit that he was wearing from the heist. He's walking down a residential road, and he's just carrying this sack full of money from the robbery. And he's just taking out stacks of money and just sticking it in people's mailboxes, just casually as you like, walking down the road, putting money in people's mailboxes. I feel like someone thought of that scene and wrote this entire shitty movie around that scene. What do you guys think? I thought someone thought they were too clever for their own good. As per usual, I'm going to find myself repeating myself. I find it difficult to believe that they nobody would connect at a whole town's mailboxes full of cash with the casino five miles away that got robbed last night. But, yeah. But, sure. (laughs) Right, yeah, okay. Yeah, completely unnecessary scene. It was, there was no point to it. It could have just ended here. There, I don't know. 
it was just dumb. But Ben Affleck is the hero, so he pulls a real Santa Claus move, and it is Christmas morning, and he's giving all the good boys and girls of northern Michigan a nice surprise. He could have done anything with that movie. Instead, he's giving it to people who are going to get told by law enforcement they have to give it back. Yeah, and we only assume, even though he's giving away a lot of it, he still has a lot of it. Did he keep it? He's just basically a criminal. He robbed the casino if he kept any of it. I still want to know what really happened with that baby at the end of fucking... Baby's Day Out. Yeah, no, at The the Boys. (laughs) I've been thinking a lot about that last episode of The Boys. Uh, um, Someone commented on our YouTube channel. Oh, really? I haven't seen... uh, It was the review dude himself, Josh Pinson. Right. And he said, uh, sorry, Steve, that baby's dead. I think he's probably right. <laughs> but I but I also think that Elizabeth Shue was doing something weird. Like, I think that might be a super baby. Like, I think it might be one she had, like, made for. Her. Don't so worry, I'm thinking Steve. it might, might survive. I don't know. We're going to get to baby geniuses soon enough. I, no, I don't want to. Definitely <laughs> don't want to talk about baby geniuses. <laughs> like, I want to talk about almost anything other than baby geniuses. You want but. the boys. You want baby geniuses. And I'm still sitting on Baby's Day Out. <laughs> we have unfinished business with that movie. We man. Just yeah, got maybe we'll have in it. Baby November. Joe Montana, baby. <laughs> God. Big Dumb anyway, Movies Baby Marathon. I guess we got to get finished with this one first, so. <laughs> we, we did. This is how it ends. <laughs> we are, it's over. We're done. Yeah. It ends. What's the next segment? <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been trying to figure out an answer to this. I'm going to wing it here. I've got this D&D die. <laughs> <laughs> Who is the Jesus character? Oh, that one. Steve, go first. The Jesus character. Uh, Ben Affleck. He went to prison a criminal and was reborn as a generous Santa type. As another criminal. Okay, Alan, <laughs> you go. Uh, it was Nicky, because he got shanked and he died in prison, but he rose from the dead to come back three days later. Or whatever. Then he died again. It's Gary Sinise. He looks like Jesus. He's got the hair. He's got the beard. <laughs> Why didn't I think of that? It's so obvious. Damn it. The simplest answer, my friend. We've established before that the hair and the mustache are enough to do it. So I should, really should have gone that You're way. so right. And he does have that look going. Damn it. All right. I'm going to remember like Jesus, it this time. Bro. All right. So we're going to do a rating for this. And I'll talk about the die in a moment. So don't worry. It's coming. Alan, on any rating scale you want, what would you give Reindeer Games? I'm going to give this uh, 2 out of 10 Indian casinos. No reindeer in it. Yeah, yeah, there was no reindeer in it. There was a really (laughs) shitty game, if you want to call it that. (laughs) 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 The second act was just way too long. The back and forth thing was boring. The plot was totally convoluted. They brought Nikki back at the end, which was unnecessary. It was not fun. Nothing about it was... There was no tension well, they almost killed him a couple times, or they threatened to. Okay. There was a chase scene where he went through the ice. Okay. You know, like, nothing about it was overly uh, dramatic. It was just a bad movie. Two out of ten. Steve. Uh, you know what? I'm going to be marginally more generous than Alan. I'm going to give it three out of ten um, Santa's elves. <laughs> um the way Santa's my, dwarf? Santa, yeah, I, no, I'm trying not to use the word dwarf. I mean, he's <laughs> already gotten mad at me for that once. Um, <laughs> uh, Stout halflings. Right. There you go. Elven people. Uh, I guess even elves aren't really that small. But anyway, uh, you know, the way my scale typically works, I'll give them any, almost anything at least a one just if they manage to successfully make and release it. Because even that is an accomplishment. It's not that easy to get a movie like made and out. So I'll give okay. them a one. Real quick, I, I usually don't cut you off during your reviews. Yeah. 
but you've clearly never seen Birdemic. Well, yeah. I mean, look, some of those are so bad, I refuse to qualify those as movies, and those I'll give a zero. Okay. But anyway, like, go on. Yeah. So, but, you know, for me, in that case, five's, five is an average movie. Ten is a, a perfect movie. I don't think I've almost ever given anything a ten. Um, but, uh, you know, look, this movie's slightly below average, but it's not... It's not bad like in the way the room is. You know what I mean? It's not it's not like it's it's ridiculously terribly just ineptly put together. It's just it the script is bad, the acting is adequate, Sinise was pretty good. None of them I don't think could have really done much better with the part they were given. Again, Charlize Theron said she knew going in it wasn't gonna be good. She wanted to work with Frankenheimer, so but but yeah, I mean the back and forth with with Rudy's identity and the too many twists and the last twist being too convoluted and the game itself there wasn't enough like tension in the build up and the payoff was too little so so yeah like I, I, I'll go I'll go three out of ten on this one. Okay. Yeah. I'm gonna give it four out of ten, Lieutenant Dan's. Right. Um, the problem with the acting, if you touched on this a little bit, it's it's always hard to go after you guys because you guys kind of say everything, but. Right. Charlize Theron just phoned it in. She did. She was nothing. Yeah. While Gary Sinise was like, I'm going to have a good time with this. Yeah. Like, but he wasn't like Snyder. He wasn't like, yeah, right. I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna shoot you, see? <laughs> yeah, I think he found the right level of indulgence for it. Absolutely. Yeah. And, I mean, there's not a whole lot to do for these actors. I guess it might be because he has the most to do. Yeah. But the story itself is not very good. It's not very fun to watch. It's not very interesting. It's not executed super well. It is a movie. It's not completely incompetent. It looks and sounds like a movie. Yeah. I mean, I, when I say sounds, I guess some of the music choices you mentioned, Steve, are kind of odd. Yeah, some of the music cues, especially <laughs> at the beginning, are not well-placed. Oh, but... hold on. Let's touch on that real quick. Sure. Not to cut you off. It's, uh, right. it's odd that they played uh, Love Roller Coaster by the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Well, the version they were playing wasn't the Chili Peppers version. Was it? No, it was the original version. Uh, okay. I can't remember what band that was, but it was it was the original. But still, okay. it's funny. Yeah. Okay. Well, either way, uh, that pretty much wraps it up for me anyway. Now, on to the next thing. Now, October is fastly approaching, as we all know. And we have a plan for October to do horror slash Halloween theme slash October related movies as a lot of podcasts do in October, and we're jumping on that train, mostly because it's going to be fun. The way we're going to do this is we all have one pick that we're going to do one at a time uh, for the first three weeks of October, and the last one is going to be either a hat pick or a group consensus. We're not quite there yet. But either way, we need to figure out whose pick is first. Mm. And the way that I've decided to do this is with, you guys will notice that we each have a 1d20 dice in uh, front of us. You guys are us. going down, dude. All right, Commonly so used in Dungeons and Dragons. Lowest number or highest number wins? Highest number gets to go next week. All next right. highest goes the week after that. Oh. Next highest, which is the lowest, goes the week after that. I just want the audience to know Alan and I have no idea how much this stuff's going to work until you tell us, which is fine. I'm not complaining. But like, Wait. so when do we do our hat pick for the rando? That's the last one of October. All so right. la the lowest number goes next week. Highest number goes next week. Oh. So the winner of this roll... Their yeah, pick yeah. is next week. This whoever is next Second. is the one okay. after that. So you guys ready to do this? You yeah, let's do, do it. Do we have to say our picks now or after after we win? After I win, we can say them now. It's fine. I'm gonna pick Jason X. I got Hocus Pocus. I'm doing thirteen. The All remake right, of Thirteen here we Ghosts. Go. 
It is technically a remake. Fuck. (laughs) No. (laughs) Alan, yours can't be worse than me and Steve. All right, I know it is. I rolled a two. I got a four. Dog, are you serious? (laughs) Yeah, what'd you get? I rolled a one. (laughs) (laughs) No, I can't make that shit up, dude. Wow, how do we all roll so well? I rolled a fucking one. If this were D&D, none of us would have gotten out of that cave. The monster's eaten all three of us. Like... (laughs) How did you roll a two? You gotta roll at least a 12 different chance of surviving. (laughs) Like, you're done. I rolled the lowest number. Game over, we're all dead. Let's start over. What town are we visiting this time? (laughs) Well, goddamn... (laughs) I guess, as luck would have it, uh, next week we're doing Steve's pick of 13 Ghosts. Yeah. And the next one after that will be mine, Hocus Pocus. I do feel compelled to say it's the remake. It's not the Vincent Price movie, even though and, I don't think anyone uh, under 50 except me and maybe two other people. We're obviously that saving remake, the best for last. Jason the best X. for last, yes. <laughs> yeah. I, I, can we just lock that one in so I know which weekend to be sick? Like, <laughs> I'm gonna, I can't come in. I'm Jason sick. X. <laughs> Is more watchable than you may remember. Oh, shit. I think we may have different terms of watchable. Wait, it's definitely you're hilarious. You're serious, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. It's pretty funny. It's, no, it's it's fucking hilarious. <laughs> it's hilarious in a way that makes me want to, like, like throw myself through your glass window. <laughs> but. Uh, well, your pick is first because you rolled higher with the four. Okay. I'm excited. Nice rolls, bro. <laughs> yeah. So when we do this next week, it's going to be you two. I don't, I don't roll again. Yeah, no more rolling. That was just the one-off for this. Yeah. But I'm the winner. <laughs> you won. Right. Because I got a Go to hell, winner. All right. <laughs> you see how they treat me? If you like what you've heard and you are listening on YouTube, please give us a thumbs up. Give us a comment. Subscribe to our channel on YouTube. Also, you can write in bigdumbmovie at gmail.com or you can DM us on Instagram. And last thing, if you would please leave us a positive iTunes rating and review, that will help us get a little bit boosted on Apple Podcasts, a.k.a. iTunes. You can just shout out for me. That's fine. Yeah, yeah just say, I like Steve. <laughs> say, Comment and say, I like Steve's hair. Oh, Because yeah. that would be just completely disingenuous because you've never seen him. Right. Shout out to my Twitch channel. If you watch Twitch, you can follow me at twitch.tv forward slash spike ag. It's a lot of weird animal stuff. <laughs> and video games. Right. You want to see Alan's furry Twitch channel? Check it out. <laughs> no oh, yeah. legal shit though, right, Alan? You don't do that anymore? No, no, no. Okay. <laughs> Twitch won't let me do that. <laughs> All right. Well, that's been Big Dumb Movie. Next time we're reviewing 13 Ghosts. We'll see how that goes. Yes. See you guys. See ya. Night. Santa came to say, come on, Rudolph, with your nose so bright, won't you ride my sleigh tonight? Then all the reindeers loved him, and they shouted out with glee, Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer, you go down to history forever, you go down to history forever, you go down to history, what? No, no, I get it. I do. It's like it's good to respect in the relationship. <laughs> you know, Steve, it's just. Did you know that Steve has been divorced twice? That is no, none of that is true. And then, <laughs> He's only been divorced. Yeah, him once. and Alan stayed friends. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> I want to be angry at that, but it was really funny. It's funny. It's funny. <laughs>